Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, notes, and banter. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at bleedcubbyblue.com. Hi, I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I do not watch Game of Thrones. Okay, I do watch Game of Thrones, and (laughs) so we are coming at you on Sunday night. The Cubs game has just ended. Uh, I am doing everything in my power to not see any spoilers. I literally was watching the game. So I was tweeting from both the at Cup of Cubby Blue account on Twitter and from my own account. And I made the screen super big so I couldn't even see what was trending on the side. (laughs) It's like just in notifications. I didn't want to see anything trending. I was trying so hard to avoid spoilers, but also uh, follow this incredible game that just ended the Cubs national series so I was gonna say I'm not kidding when I say that I literally was sweating the last two innings like it it was like an ice box in my house and I was literally I could feel myself sweating like I was so nervous (laughs) I know Uh, let's just jump into game three I know that we normally start at the beginning but since game three is fresh on our mind did this not feel like two fundamentally different games to you um completely completely that is that is the absolute best way I could put that because it it was like night and day, complete night. It was here's what it was. The first part of the game, I guess, like maybe the first four innings, felt like present day Kyle Hendricks. The last couple innings with him felt like the start of the season, Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, it was wild. So Kyle Hendricks, if you missed it, was pitching. He had a perfect game. He had no hitter. Everything looked wonderful. I, at one point, I looked, and he was through two innings on 20 pitches with three strikeouts. It was just absurd, and it just all fell apart in the sixth inning, and it fell apart fast, and it felt, I mean, I, I found myself kind of counting in my head. I was like, wow, how are they going to get all of these outs? Like, we have all these outs left to get, and I'm not entirely sure how the Cubs are going to piece it together. I'll fast forward. They did piece it together. They wound up winning 6-5. to five but not before the Nationals tacked on five runs um, and Javi Baez left the game with a heel contusion, we're now being told. Um, I was worried it was something with his ankle, but it appears that it is a heel contusion. So hopefully Javi Baez will be back soon. Um, Yeah, I mean, that was a good way to wake everyone up, though, because it was just kind of like one of those things where we're just kind of flying, flying along and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, God, what is wrong with him and where is he going? Like, is will they end up taking him out? I mean, like, I almost just wish they would have taken him out after it happened um, and, and kind of let him rest because I feel like this poor man has not had a day off. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely nerve-wracking. And hopefully, you know, if if they give him a day or two to to let it rest, I think, you know, this would be a good week to do that. Yeah, I think Javi could definitely use some rest. I, you know, I, I – I am glad they left him in. He made a spectacular play even after he was hurt, but you could see when he was running the bases that he really wasn't running all out. And in fact, the first hit that Hendricks gave up was a blooper to shallow left field that I think Javi probably gets to nine times out of 10. I don't think that he had the ability to run as fast as he normally does to get to that spot. And I am, I'm by no means <laughs> saying that he would have had a no hitter if Javi hadn't gotten there because Hendricks fell apart real quick and it didn't have anything to do with whether or not Javi got to that ball. But it was noticeable that Javi was not his normal self, just running everything out the way he usually does. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, you you could just tell something was off. And like for me, as, as far as, you know, you always want to see him in there because like we always talk about, he's one of the most dynamic players in baseball. And it's like you said, you don't want to miss those big spectacular plays that he is bound to make. But at the same time, Time. It is a long season, and I cannot remember the last time I did not see Baez in the lineup. Like, it has been so long since he's had a break. You kind of almost want it to be one of those games where it's, you know, a little ways through and then just let him sit the rest of the game and then maybe put him back in the lineup tomorrow against Jake Arrieta. But at the same time, you know, you just, you don't ever want to see anything like that happen, but we got to give these guys a break at some point. He's got to, he's got to take a breather. He can't be, you know, he can't play you know a million miles an hour every single game he's gotta he's gotta have some downtime too just like everybody else well speaking of Javi Baez playing a million miles an hour what was the quote that I tweeted out that A-Rod said earlier in the game something about like he needs to control himself here he has to learn some control I don't there were some very and I and I want to be like credit where it's due A-Rod was also like very complimentary to Javi at multiple points in the game, but there were a couple of times where he was so patronizing to him where he's just like, young man, you need to learn. And I was just like, what are you on about? Let him play. He's awesome just the way he is. Please stop trying to change and mold Javi Baez. (laughs) Well, of course, you know, Alex Rodriguez is the most amazing player in his own mind. And, you know, anybody that would come close to touching that, um, you know, that title in baseball, I can see, I don't want to say that he was threatened by, but you can kind of feel like, you know, he's, he's getting, he's making a name for himself, Buzz is making a name for himself and he's becoming, you know, one of the more known baseball players nationally now. And, you know, Alex Rodriguez, like I say every week, he's got to do or say something to keep his name in everybody's mouth because he needs to be what everybody's talking about. And and that's just, that's, he's a legend in his own mind. You know, I mean, I know many people he's, he, don't get me wrong. He was a very amazing baseball player, but he, I, I also think that, you know, he probably thinks way more of himself than anybody possibly could, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, to- it totally makes sense. I mean, I, you know, we put together that bingo card that we told people about last time. If you missed it, it's up on our Twitter account and you can go back through. We tweeted all of the bingo squares as they uh, were announced. I didn't actually notice a bingo during the game, full disclosure, but if somebody has one and I missed something, by all means, shoot it to us. Um, but one of the things I noticed as I was putting that together is that a lot of the things that make ESPN Sunday Night Baseball sort of hard to listen to are Alex Rodriguez things. They are times where he mispronounces things, times where he talks over somebody, times where he takes control of the broadcast and not really in a good way. And I and it was just really noticeable as I was looking back at some of the things that have happened there. Well, and I always kind of joke because you're very, very lucky in the sense that these last couple Sunday night games you've gotten to go to, they were at Wrigley. You're very lucky that A, you get to see baseball game in person and B, you get to miss the ESPN telecast. Well, I personally love Jessica Mendoza. Matt does not bother me as much, but Alex Rodriguez, I think, has now just become um, kind of a point of just kind of makes me giggle because you just kind of know that something's going to happen. He's going to say or do something. And there is legitimate good information on the broadcast. Jessica Mendoza did a really good piece last week about um, Contreras and the whole Venezuelan um, his cry for help for his country and all that good stuff. They did a very good piece on that in the middle of the broadcast. Um, and actually, I think that might have been Matt that started that out. And then um, 
Jessica finished it off. And then, of course, Alex added his input on it. But, you know, for the most part, it's pretty good. I think the entertainment value is definitely Alex Rodriguez because, yeah, like you said, it's a lot of me, I, I, me, me, me. And uh, it just, to me, it just, oh gosh, every time he starts talking and he just wants to tell one of those little stories, I can just feel myself rolling my eyes. Like, seriously, (laughs) another one. It's been 30 seconds. We couldn't wait till commercial break, till after commercial break for another one of these stories. Like, come on, dude. You know, most of it doesn't even pertain to what's going on in in the game. Yeah, I mean, credit where credit is due. The ESPN Sunday Night Baseball broadcast does seem to recognize that Wilson Contreras is currently the best catcher in baseball. I think that that is... um, uh, that is a solid position and one that I have been making for a long time. So I'm really excited to see that get some play on a national broadcast. Uh, I also wanted to shout out a couple of things from game three, you know, small sample sizes and whatnot, but Kyle Schwarber has been the leadoff batter for three games in a row. Now kind of looks like a thing. He's getting on base a lot. Uh, even when he's not getting hits, he's making good contact. He had two RBIs before he had a hit tonight. Um, and Albert Almora Jr. also looks like he's making some solid contact. He had two doubles and a single tonight, and he seems to be swinging a hotter bat lately. So that's great. Well, Any other things hate, you noticed? Well, I was just going to say, I, ha- I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but if I hear from Alex Rodriguez one more time that Albert Almora Jr. is fast, I swear to God, I swear to God, like the speed of Albert Almora Jr. compared to who? Who are we comparing him to that he's fast? Okay, he is decent. He is not fast. There's many other players on this team that are faster than him, but I get because he in the in center field he covers a lot of ground that they think that translates to base running, and in, in his case it does not. However, it was really nice to see him go three for three and um, kind of establish some sort of rhythm offensively. Um, yeah, you know I don't mind Kyle Schwarber leading off. I know that's been a point of um, of you know very strong feelings one way or the other from a lot of people. Um, people love it. People hate it. I don't mind it. You know, it doesn't bother me as long as there's production coming from that number one spot. I don't care. And by production, it could be anything, whether it's, you know, just going deep into counts, getting on base, you know, that sort of thing. I, I don't mind. It doesn't necessarily need to be hitting all the time, just making sure watching the ball, setting a tone. That's a huge thing for that leadoff spot. Um, you know, I was happy to see Jason Hayward get a couple good hits tonight. That was that was good. He's been kind of slumping lately, so it was nice to see him get going a little bit. What were you going to say? Sorry. No, I was just going to say when you were talking about having great at-bats, I kind of wanted to use that as a way to get back to the first game in the series, which if you missed it, you really need to go back to Friday's game and watch it. If for no other reason than Kyle Schwarber, in my opinion, had the at-bat of 2019 in this game so far. He took 13 pitches, kept the count full, kept fouling things off, fouling things off, fouling things off, and then went oppo for a home run. And that really opened the floodgates to a huge Cubs victory that night. It was just an incredible piece of hitting. And it was nice to see because I know he's been struggling a bit at the plate. Yeah, that was that was a monster at bat. I mean, it just for so many reasons. And I think that gave him a, a shot of confidence too. And he definitely you kind of felt like he was in that in that place where it could have went one way or the other. And to definitely I, I definitely felt the momentum shift as as that, you know, home run went out and watched him round the bases. You could just feel his like he was able to exhale and that was like, you know, that that was all telling for for the emotion in that at bat. And, you know, you really don't 
for the most part, don't feel like, you know, it's such a long season. There's so many times like that, but there is, you know, a part of every player season where they're struggling or they they're, you know, trying to get past something and you can just feel like that moment. And for Schwarber, I kind of hope that was that moment, you know, like he really showed his, his toughness and, and, and battled and, and to be able to come out on top like that and oppo no less. I mean, this team is just insane with the opposite field hitting these days. Wow. I mean, it, it just all around, it was, it was really nice to see. And like, I was extremely happy for him that, to, to have that at bat. Yeah, I was too. And, you know, Chris Bryant said in his postgame interview that that really set the tone for his home run uh, as the next batter. Cause he got to see a ton of pitches and see how Kyle, worked the count against Claw, which I thought was great. You know, that was also the game where we need, and we certainly need to give KB some credit here. Chris Bryant had three home runs in that game. He had home runs in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. It was just kind of insane. He was just swinging such a hot bat. I mean, it, it, <laughs> just, just thinking about it. I mean, for one, we are totally taking for granted the fact that he is just on fire these days. Like, he... Literally for us to talk about him first, he would have had to have like four home runs tonight. Like seriously, he had three home runs in three consecutive innings. Only the second player in all of Major League Baseball to ever do that. Like that is insane. That is crazy. I mean, and how many times do we see in games when you don't even, you get up every third inning to bat, to get up three innings in a row and then hit three home runs in a row. It's just, I mean, that's crazy. That's just nuts. The kind of offensive game that they were having and to have that game been the one that um, Scherzer started, you know, that was, like I said, previous to that series, to, to the Washington series, if we can even score a couple runs against Scherzer, I feel like we can walk away with a win. Well, we did more than that. And, you know, again, Scherzer just didn't look like the Scherzer of old, but um you know, in their bullpen is in such shambles. You almost feel bad for him. But, it, you know, t- to have him do that was such a feat. Like, it was just, it's just crazy to me. I mean, people cannot, people just totally discount the fact that he was able to do that. They don't realize how amazingly difficult it is to do something like that. It's just insane. Yeah, winning that game against Scherzer was great. I think any time that you can go in and split uh games where you're facing Scherzer and Strasburg you're doing something right winning both games obviously would have been outstanding but I think that getting a split there was great the other person who I thought had an incredible offensive game in game one that kind of went under the radar because KB had such a great game was Wilson Contreras who went four for five but the thing that I thought was incredible he started the day with a slash line a great slash line by the way of 301 405 602 in the span of a single game, his slash line went to 320, 422, 633. And this is not because he's hasn't played a lot. Like, he's been playing a ton, as we've talked about here before, with Victor Caratini out. Wilson was really taking all of the catching innings. He just had such an incredible game that he was able to raise his slash line a substantial amount. And I thought that that also uh, deserved some notice. Anything I else mean- you want to talk about from game one? 
No, and that Wilson Contreras is just right now just the hottest catcher in baseball, and and like you said earlier, it makes me so happy that he's he's getting national attention now. Finally, you know, because we've been seeing it for a couple of years now, but he his numbers are just undeniable, and he is just he's he's playing like crazy, and and I love watching it, and it, it's nice that we have Caratini back to give him a little bit of a breather because you really feel like it's going to take a toll on him if he doesn't get you know a couple games off here and there. So no, I mean, it's, it just, it's just so fun to watch this offense these days. Yeah. I imagine that Victor Caratini might get the start tomorrow um, for the opener for the Phillies with Darvish on the mound, but we're going to talk about that after we talk about game two, just catching people up. This was really the first uh, start that Lester has had in a long time that he he didn't look great. Um, And he really owned that. If you don't follow John Lester on Twitter, you really should. He is, always out there, very real, talking about baseball, talking about issues. And every now and again, he actually will like get into back and forth and answer fans' questions and stuff. It's pretty great. Um, But so it was nice to see him out there just saying, you know, I didn't have it and that was on me. But it was also, the Cubs ran into a gauntlet with Steven Strasburg on Saturday. He threw eight innings. He really looked on. I, I actually was out to dinner sort of watching the game um, in fits and starts on the video there and I kept looking at my phone looking at the pitch count and as the innings got later and later and I was like he still is only throwing like 80 pitches I was getting really frustrated and I I sort of knew that one wasn't going to go the Cubs way probably the most interesting thing that happened in that game though had to do with the closer for the Nationals Sean Doolittle did you happen to see this little controversy Andy oh yeah and this is this is gentlemanship at its finest if you ask me yeah, tell me more about that. So, um, the, the whole controversy with, and we we won't go into this first. We'll just talk about Doolittle first. But the whole controversy was the way he was pitching. Um, he does a little when he in his in his um, when he's getting ready to wind up. He in his motion, he puts his foot down. So he he makes a move, puts his foot down, and then continues his um, delivery towards towards the plate. Now. We were told initially when Carl Edwards Jr. was doing something similar to this in spring training, actually spring training, we were told it was okay. It was the first couple of games of the season. We were then told that it was not okay. So I think Doolittle maybe got off two pitches and there was very clear tapping. Very So the thing is you can't put your foot down. You can Your motion can continue without putting your foot down. So there was very clear toe tapping in his motion and just, brought that to the home plate umpire's attention and said, you know, we were told you couldn't do that, whatever, blah, 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 whatever the conversation was. Um, so then, you know, Doolittle was warned or it was brought to his attention. He couldn't do that. Whatever the conversation was, I have not even read anywhere where they've said what what all was said to Doolittle after the first um, the first conference with Joe and the home plate umpire. Then he went back and pitched maybe another two pitches Joe called again and said, no, he's doing it again. There was very close, very clear toe tapping. So when everybody was kind of asking what was going on, the umpires were doing a rules check with New York. And basically Joe had, had said at this point that they were, we were playing the game under protest because the interpretation of the rule by this particular umpire crew was different than how it was interpreted before. So different than how it was interpreted when Carl Edwards Jr. was doing the the same motion. Going back and looking at video, it's not the same. 
Doolittle and, and Edwards are, are very, very different in how Edwards was doing at the time when he got called on it and how Doolittle was doing it. Doolittle is still tapping his toe, though. So however you guys want to argue it, however you want to see it, it, it is still illegal. I mean, th- that's that it, it should be looked at. But my whole thought was, how is this going to play out when Doolittle is pitching for us later? <laughs> I, would love I thought Doolittle. of you the entire time. I know I would love the Cubs to trade for Doolittle. He's one of my favorite players. And I was sort of like, Joe, Joe, you got to, you got to stay on this guy's good side. Right. You got to be friends with this guy. Be nice. <laughs> Let's play nice. I was thinking of you the entire time. Cause I'm like, well, first of all, Doolittle is not stupid. And he even said it in his post-game interview. He said that was like, that was great gamesmanship on Joe. And that's what Joe's trying to do. He's trying to put his name on stuff like this and he did it. And so he knows, I mean, he knows that Joe was doing it to get in his head, but as far as I'm concerned, I was like, well, you know what? We're all adults here. And if Doolittle gets traded to the Cubs, you know, they'll have a meeting, they'll hash it out and we'll move on and he'll be a great pitcher for us. <laughs> I will say I, I appreciated Doolittle's take on it. I think it was something slightly different. I actually, and they talked about this on the broadcast tonight and I, I was thinking this before the game too. I think a lot of that had to do more with Joe standing up for CJ than it had to do with trying to mess with Doolittle. I, I doubt that he thinks he was going to rattle Sean Doolittle by talking about his motion in that game. I do think that he thought he could really show Carl that he had his back and that he would not have let him pitch, pitch with that new motion all the way through spring training and deal with what he dealt with in terms of getting sent back down to AAA and having to reset his motion and everything um, without, well, without yeah. knowing that. Right. Like, I think that was Joe's right. way of saying to CJ, like, Hey, we've got your back and I'm, I'm going to stand up for you. And it just so happened that it happened to be, you know, a moment that impacted Sean Doolittle too. Well, and you know, the complaint was for after it happened, I don't know how many games into the season we were, but the, the huge complaint and Joe, I think had even said this in a couple interviews, his big complaint was why was it okay in spring training, but then we get to regular season and now you're correcting him. Like right. you guys all watched this in spring training, like even I think I think I read somewhere that Joe even requested to have New York watch him pitch so to make sure it was okay because he didn't want him to get set in a certain a set in a certain movement and have them come back and say it was wrong. So that's I think what was the number one complaint and you're 100% right that yes that was definitely I think probably the biggest reason why he did that because that was, you know, what's got to be, you know, good for one's got to be good for all. So um yeah, I totally get that. But that was a huge complaint that like you can't you can't it can't be loosely interpreted for one person and then not the other. Like that's not OK. And that was obviously a big, you know, pat on the butt to Carl. Like, dude, we got you. You know, like this is not OK. And we know it. So, yeah, uh, my only other note from the National Series also stems from game two. And that is that uh, Javi Baez had a long hitting streak that came to an end in that game. Chris Bryant's on base streak ended in that game. It felt like it was kind of like we ran into a little bit of a gauntlet there with Strasburg and a bunch of stuff came to an end, but that's okay. The Cubs started a new winning streak on Sunday and we'll see if they can keep that going Monday night before we talk about the Phillies series. Uh, Is there anything you wanted to add about the national series, Andy? Uh, No, I just, you know, we, we've said this before. We said it, prior to the series that it would be really great to split between Scherzer and Strasburg and Strasburg was an animal on Saturday. I mean, there's no doubting that there was not any team in baseball that would have beat him on Saturday. So um, 
I, you can't feel bad about that. That's just a really great pitcher doing what he does, you know, and you kind of look at some of the teams that we played against that went up against a Kyle Hendricks when he was on or went up against a Jose Quintana when he was on. And it's the same deal. It's a great pitcher. Yes, our offense is good. Sometimes, you know, the pitcher is better than the offense and that's just the way it works out. Yeah, I can't agree with that anymore. Um, All right, we are going to go to a break really quickly. And then once we've heard from our sponsors, we will come back and look ahead to the Phillies series. We're back. The Phillies come into town for a four-game set at Wrigley Field starting Monday night. And the most interesting matchup is Monday night. Uh, It is going to be Jake Arrieta's return to pitch at Wrigley Field for the first time since 2017. And he will face off against none other than Yu Darvish on Monday is going to be kind of crazy. I actually just also wanted to add that I got a weather alert because it's going to get real chilly in Chicago again for tomorrow night. It looks like game temperature is going to be in the high 40s, low 50s. So this could this could be an interesting night at Wrigley. What are you going to be looking for for Jake Arrieta's return, Andy? Well, I mean, this this dude is intense and he's a competitor and we all know that. We know Jake Arrieta well. Um, to see him on the mound at Wrigley in another uniform is always so strange. <laughs> I mean, yeah. with any player, but with him, gosh, you know, I just loved him so much as a Cub, and it, it's 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 a challenge to not root for him. You know what I mean? Like, I really have to actively try not to to root for him. He's such a great guy, but he, you know, he's a Phillies now, so we just kind of have to move on. But he's a competitor. He is intense. He is going to go out there and he's going to, you know, try to try to prove that we made the wrong choice by not, you know, pursuing him more, or, you know, coming to terms with him. But I've also seen Jake Gary at a pitch where that can be detrimental to him too. So, you know, I, I see him probably maybe having a rough first couple, maybe inning or two, and then really calming down and dominating. Um, you Darvish, I mean, do you have a coin? <laughs> I, I, I don't have a coin on me. I, I don't know. If it's cold, then I'm going to guess it's probably not going to go in our favor. Um, he's just, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience. We remember the maybe the one or two games that he's um, pitched. They all, you know, have kind of looked the same up until this point, not very deep into the game. And, um, you know, his stuff has been there. But if it's cold again and, you know, his hand is at all numb or, he can't feel the ball as good as he normally can, then you can imagine his stuff is not going to be working as well as it had previous. So, I mean, really the only sure thing I know of is that this is going to be an intense game and um, I'm probably going to be sweating again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like sweating right now just thinking about it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just really warm. (laughs) Maybe it's just me today. Um, Yeah, but it's going to be a fun game. I mean... Our offense right now, I feel like would have no, even on Jake's best day. And he is a good pitcher. You know, obviously he's, he's a good pitcher. His, his pass speaks for itself, but I still think this offense can definitely handle him. And, um, you know, we can definitely pull out a win if, if Darvish can, can keep just the Phillies down to, you know, a couple runs on the board. I mean, Bryce Harper at Wrigley when it's cold. I, I don't know how I feel about that either. So against you, Darvish, ugh. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about Bryce Harper in a second. I guess part of me is thinking that, like, I, you, Darvish, could put to rest so many storylines right now. It could be such a wonderful thing 
for his place on the Cubs, his psyche, everything going forward. If he came out on Monday and just had an incredible game and shut down the Phillies and beat Jake, that would do so much for you, Darvish. I just don't know how much I believe that is going to happen. And I, Jake hasn't looked great for a couple of starts, but it's Jake. And big game Jake just seems to show up and get stuff done, regardless of how much he has to grit it out. And I, yeah, I really, I really don't know what to expect here. I think that it could go either way. It's going to be really interesting. I will be there tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that, even though I'm going to be freezing again at Wrigley. I would, dear Chicago, please have nice weather for one of the games that I have during this homestand. <laughs> please. I just want a day where I can wear like a tank top and sit in the bleachers and not have to freeze in Chicago in May. Um, I kind of feel like you might the universe. (laughs) I was going to say, I kind of feel like you might've traded one of those games for, for opening day because opening day is typically like that weather. And we got like 70 degrees tank top weather. That's true. I, I probably did. I probably yeah. lost one of my tank top days to opening day. That was brilliant, uh, though. Opening day with you and the bleachers was great. That could not have been any better. I mean, that was everything that you, you would have expected and way more. Like, it was just, I mean, perfect. But, I mean, cold or not, I'm, like, extremely jealous of the fact that you get to see this game in person because this is, like, one of those things that – I don't know, though, because I feel like I might be, like, so nervous that I would not be able to focus. Like, I would be, like, all over the place. Like, what's happening? What's going on over here? Who is that? What I mean, like, I just – I'm already nervous about it. My mind is racing. I mean, that's part of why I keep score because it keeps me focused and, like, centered on the game and I don't have to worry about all the other things that are going on. That's such a good uh, idea. Maybe I should just do that when I watch it on TV. Oh, yeah. I have a friend who does that. Um, one of the commenters in Bleed Cubby Blue, like, totally keeps score for big games when she watches them on TV. It's awesome. Maybe I should do that. I think I will. I'll print some off tomorrow. That's what I'll Be- do. Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, before we talk about the hitters who are hot or maybe struggling a bit on the Phillies, I just want to briefly talk about the other pitchers that the Cubs will be facing during this series. They're going to face Zach Eflin. On Tuesday night, um, if you remember, Zach Eflin had a real nice start against the Cubs last year at Wrigley Field. They're also going to face Cole Irvin uh, in the Battle of the Coles. It will be Cole Hamels versus Cole Irvin. Um, And Thursday's uh, pitcher, when I looked at it earlier today, was still to be determined. But based on who has pitched for the Phillies recently, I would think that that start goes to Aaron Nola. He's been a bit off this year after finishing third in Cy Young award voting last year and so it'll be interesting to see what he looks like on Thursday or if maybe they go with somebody else in that spot so I'm just looking at their lineup right now and I completely forgot that McCutcheon was on the Phillies like oh yeah that's new that's this year yeah I completely forgot that um did you see McCutcheon's uh viral video from yesterday where he got involved in a staring contest with a little kid out in left field oh my gosh no but i'm looking that i'm writing it down and i'm looking it up as soon as we're done with this because that sounds amazing i love mccutcheon so i love mccutcheon too and i had this moment where i was like i really can mccutcheon just be a cub for a a year a month (laughs) like just long enough for us to to claim him and so that he can have some games like that at wrigley it was super cute i mean i swear to god his path to the cubs is is really long but i think it's coming i think i think it's coming i hope 
I don't think, I hope it's coming because I would also love that. He's just one of those guys that you feel like is a fan favorite and he would get along with our veteran players so well. And what a veteran presence to have in, in our clubhouse too. Yeah. I mean, I don't want, I obviously don't want any of our outfielders to go anywhere, but McCutcheon is, a, is an awesome presence and he just had a really great moment. We'll tweet that out from our uh, Cup of Cubby Blue account so that you can see it in case you missed it earlier this week. The other people who are new to the Phillies, there are a lot of new names actually. So I, I think everybody knows that Bryce Harper is a Philly now. He's been struggling a bit um, for the last few weeks. However, he's homered in back-to-back games yesterday and today, so he might be pulling out of it. It will be interesting to see how Joe Madden approaches a potentially heating up Bryce Harper. Uh, Reese Hoskins, who really struggled in his sophomore year last year, looks great. He is leading the Phillies with a WRC plus of 148. He has 11 home runs. He's really been having a nice approach at the plate lately. And then the other player who started off super strong for them was Scott Kingery. He then had a hamstring injury and just got off the injured list. So it'll be interesting to see if he's still swinging a hot bat uh, when he comes to Wrigley Field. Yeah, he's hitting 400 right now. Like, how long is he out for? Very small sample size. I think that he's only played like 11 games. Okay, 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 okay. I was thinking like... Yeah, he was like starting every game and was only out for a few days. I'm like, holy cow, that is, that is, that's okay. We need to watch for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, um, so he started the year hot and then went on the injured list. I think he just got off the injured list on the 19th. So he's oh, okay. just barely back, but he's been swinging a hot bat for sure. And I'm curious to see if he can keep it up because that's a nice weapon for the Phillies to have. Anybody else we're really interested in seeing on the Phillies? No, I mean, of course, it'll be interesting to see Harper come to Chicago. And everybody loves watching the interactions between him and Chris Bryant. And, you know, that's always fan favorite. Of course, we're on ESPN Monday Night Baseball tomorrow night. So um, I'll get to endure that broadcast. I don't even know who does the Monday Night broadcast. But, um, yeah, so, of course, they will zone in on that. Um, and probably have a couple stories of, about the, you know, Chris Bryant and um, Bryce Harper friendship, which is fine. It's always, you know, funny to kind of hear this stuff and, and to see the personalities behind these two guys, especially, you know, as friends. Um, I don't know. I'm just still getting used to Bryce Harper in a Phillies uniform. It's just really different to me. And um, it's a, it's obviously a much different Washington team without Bryce Harper. So it'll be interesting to see the dynamics of this team. Like I said, uh, for a while, I didn't think Bryce Harper and um, Jake Arrieta would, would be such great friends. I just feel like their mentality, their thought process and how they approach the games, I think are probably a little bit different, but from what I understand, they are kind of chummy now. So I'm interested to see that as well. Um, and, you know, when Jake is pitching, he doesn't really interact a whole lot. But still, to me, it's just very, very interesting to see the dynamic of this team with all the different personalities they have on it. So it'll be a it'll be a good game to to sit back and keep score on because Lord knows I'll be biting my nails off. Yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how this team interacts. You know, they're they've got a nice lead in the NL East. They've really they haven't run away with the division by any stretch, but they have certainly taken control of that division. They but they have a lot of new faces on their on that team. And actually one player that I forgot to mention earlier 
when we were talking about new players on the team, aside from uh, Harper and McCutcheon, is JT Real Muto, who is catching for them. And he is, you know, he's he's been a little bit um, down offensively this season to start the season. I was looking at his slash line earlier today to just get an idea of what he's done this year. And it looked like he was, that his ops was somewhere in like the 750, 800 range. Um, I have not checked that since earlier today, so it might have changed. But the, but that was something that was interesting to me. He does still seem to be hitting for average in contact. Um, the He's a great catcher, however. He's been really solid with framing, working with pitchers, those types of things. So it'll be interesting to see him behind the plate. I know that that's something that Wilson Contreras has been working on over the past few years. Yeah, his OPS right now looks at, like it's at 766. Okay. So, so my memory um, was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right there. Um yeah, I mean this it's just it's a different look. This team is 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 all, you know, to me it just I forgot half of these people were on this team, which, you know, is easy to do when you're so focused on the central, but um yeah, I'm looking forward to this series and I think this is a good opportunity to kind of um come away with another confidence boost playing a team that yeah is it they got a they have a good record and you know they're in a division where they've won some games and they're they're in first place but I still think that we're the superior team and we should be winning all these games but um it's a matter of you know who comes to play and and who comes to pitch so we'll see if our starting pitching can get us through another another great series the starting pitching has been really outstanding with the exception of Lester's start against the Nationals. I, I have to admit, I am a little nervous about the bullpen. I Every time there's more than nine outs to get and we're in the bullpen, I start to panic a little bit because I start counting like, well, who exactly is going to get these outs? And now that, I mean, Zeshek just threw the longest outing of his career in like the last seven years or something, I think is what they said on the ESPN broadcast. So I imagine that he is not available for a couple of days. So if, if any of these early games with the Phillies are close, I'm not entirely sure who's going to close those out. It'll be interesting to see, to say the least. But, and I kind of feel like our bullpen has been like our offense when somebody is not having the best game, then the next one steps up. Um, you know, we have had one or two games where there's been quite a few blips, but I think for the most part, our bullpen has been pretty solid and, you know, it, it's just kind of like the next, the next guy's up, the next guy's up. So hopefully they can, you know, see, see Shaq went out and killed it tonight. He had a huge, I mean, he had an a bat. Hello. That was <laughs> like, awesome. That was dude fantastic. is batting. Like, come on now. If, if C-Shack can do this, then our bullpen can pull it together for another series until we can figure out what exactly is happening. But um, I think for the most part, you know, we, we have some, some good tools back there that will, will need this series, obviously with C-Shack pitching as long as he did. So um, hopefully we can just piece together some, you know, and maybe even our, our starters get us some long outings, which, you know, Darvish that might be asking a lot, but you know, who knows? Like I said, if you have a coin flip it, let's see where it lands. Yeah, I, I agree with you that everybody's been stepping up. I think I just get nervous about the idea of like maybe worrying about who's going to step up or like how long can we expect that to continue. Although maybe right. I should just get over it because the Cubs have given me no reason to doubt them since 2015. I should really just stop being nervous right right now. Listen, when um, you said that you were counting outs, I was dying because like the last time I think I counted outs was in 2008. And I literally <laughs> had a notebook. 
that I went and bought and I had page after page after page of tallied outs because it was like, to me, that was the only way to endure these games, like to get through by tallying the outs. And like, I would literally count down the outs. That's what I thought of when you said that you were counting the outs. I'm like, oh God, I, where's my notebook? <laughs> I mean, I don't count every out, but when it gets late in the game, I really do. I'm like, well, wait a second. There's still 10 outs. And these are the people who are available <laughs> in the bullpen. And I'm not, not entirely sure how we get to 10 outs with those people. <laughs> Oh girl, it was 27 after 27 after 20 every day. 27. How do I get through 27? (laughs) Extra innings must have been like painful for you. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to talk about it. That's the time of my life that I don't want to remember. But yes, that was (laughs) 27, 27, 27. It was, yeah. That I I had way too much time on my hands. That's funny. Um (laughs) so just as a parting thought here, we're gonna wrap up episode six. The Cubs are in first place in the NL Central going into the series against the Phillies. They've got a game and a half lead over Milwaukee, who has gone five for five over their last 10 games. The team that really has been slipping a bit, though, are the St. Louis Cardinals, who are have gone three for seven in their last 10 games. And they're only one game over 500 right now. They're in fourth place, just a few games ahead of the Reds. So that's something to keep an eye on. Is there anything that you're looking at in the NL Central that you find particularly interesting right now, Andy? Well, I was, that was, you kind of took my whole, uh, my whole idea there. It's definitely a tough scene here in St. Louis. And I will tell you that everyone is very focused on the hockey team because as far as they're concerned right now, there is no baseball team. Like it is just, it's not, it's not good around these parts for Cardinals fans. It's wild though, because like 10 days ago, they were talking about the Cardinals as like the best team ever. Oh, trust me. And they are when they're high, they're really high. When they're low, forget it. They don't even show up. I mean, it's just, it's all over the map. So look for them. I would say look for them to break out of this because this obviously we know that's not the team they are. They're not, they're not a fourth place team. They're not. But to me, I, I think they're probably a third place team in this division right now. And um, I mean, I know I can just feel people throwing things at me, but I, I, I really do believe that that's, they'll, they'll be the third place team this year. Um, I just think everything in their on their team is so streaky when their pitching is going to be good. Their offenses are going to show up when their offense is showing up, their pitching is going to go back and forth. You know, miles Nicholas had a horrible outing the other day, went like one and a third or something crazy, um, and gave up like seven runs or something. So, you know, everybody is human on every team. It's just a matter of how you bounce back and they are not bouncing anywhere right now. So, I would just kind of watch right. that, especially because we have a couple series coming up with them. Um, not this coming weekend, Memorial Day weekend, but the following weekend is here in St. Louis, which I will be at all three games. And then the following so weekend jealous. after that, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. So and I then, finally get to be jealous of you there. Um, I know. We, we are running really low on time. So, oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to call this, but uh, we'll be watching to see how the, if the Cardinals can bounce back and take back over third in the division. We'll also be watching to see how the Cubs do against the Phillies and what happens with Jake Arrieta's return to Wrigley field. And we will talk to you again on Friday after the Phillies series. Have a great week. Bye.